Last Friday night, we had our uh, band practice with our praise and worship team that's leading out in church this morning. Uh, I talked to our youth band before we started practicing, and I shared with them uh, Psalms 103, verse 1. It says, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. I shared about a story how I was driving home from our elders meeting that we had last week. Um, and I love doing this late nights because there's no traffic and I can just pump the music and get a really good praise session on. And I was thinking in that moment, wow, I've really missed this. I've really missed being able to praise together as a group. Um, and although we can't do that as we normally would like to or we're normally used to doing in our church family all in one big building together, I encouraged our band to use the practice and use the worship recording as a time to actually have that praise session as well. And I truly felt that, and I thought that was a really cool moment. Um, I hope that you guys can experience that at home, however that looks like, whether it's singing along with us, listening to the songs afterwards, or finding little pockets of praise within your week where you can find time to praise God, because it's, singing in a congregation is amazing, and I do truly miss it, but it's not the only way that we can praise God, thank goodness. Nick is back. This week, we have him preaching for us for our youth service today. He's talking to our youth about reflecting on this year and what it means to be walking with God. Hey, Castle Hill Church family. It's so good to see you again. And I'm so glad that you're joining us today on this lovely Sabbath day. We're back together. It's church. It's different. It's something new. I just want to say thank you so much to all of you who have reached out to us, who've come around and visited us, who've invited us to your home, who have had us over for church or for a Bible study. I just want to thank you to each of you who've connected with us around the new birth of our first baby. And I want to thank you to the church family, not only for reaching out to us, but to reaching out to everybody else in this interesting time. It's normal now. This is our life at the moment. And we need to keep connecting with each other. And you as a church family have been doing such a great job at that. I just want to say a massive thank you. I want to thank you to all of the young people for being awesome and connecting with us as well through social media or other platforms to, to check in and see how we're going. And Sarah and I have had a great last month. We've had so much fun just getting to know this new child in our life named Sienna. And it's just been awesome seeing what miracles that God can do, creating an amazing little human through two people. I'm just so thankful. And we're actually starting to see different angles that of the love of God that he has for us, being his children and seeing us as his children. It's been so awesome. But today, our young people, I want to speak about something that's on my heart that I think is important for you to hear. And it's important for us to think about as we end out 2020 and head into a new year. Today, the, the sermon title is Where We Have Been, Where We've Been Before. Next week, we're going to be looking at where we're going. But for now, I just want to look back at the past a little bit today. And I want to consider a few important things as we head into the future. First of all, I just want to bring up two people to talk about today. One of them is King David and the other one is Saul. These two, they were both men. Both of these men were people who had a relationship with God. Both of these men made decisions in their life. And both of these men look back on the past and look back on where they'd come to. And then they made choices that affected their future hugely. Some, they both had regrets. They both made mistakes. They both made choices that brought their life fully back around and just brought life into their life. 
Each one of you, young people, has to make choices too. Each one of you have to make choices in your life about where you're heading. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to make good choices. And it's important that we turn to God and that we trust Him when we're making these choices. But at the end of the day, if you make a mistake, it's going to be something you can still bring to God, something you can bring to Him and talk to Him about. I'm going to start by reading a verse today. First verse we're going to turn to is 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. I love this one because it's something so comforting to me. You know, in my life, I look back over the last, you know, young adulthood and youth and teenage years and when I was at school. And I think about the times when I was worried about stuff. I think about the times when I made mistakes. I think about the times when I made choices to trust God. And I think about the impact that it had on my life. And sometimes along the way, I would actually think to myself, maybe God wasn't interested in hearing what I was going through. Maybe he wasn't interested in, in the little details of my life, uh, especially if I made a mistake. You know, if I'd done something wrong, I felt like God wasn't interested until I'd sort of been good for a while and then I could come back to him. But Peter, one of Jesus's closest friends and disciples, he wrote this down in one of two or three little letters that he wrote and he felt it was really important. So he got out his pen and he wrote this down. He says this, Give all your worries and your cares to God, for he cares about you. That's First Peter 5.7. Give all your worries and cares to God. All your worries, all your cares, all the things you stress about, your daily life, what's going on at school, what's going on with your friends, what's going on with your family, all these things. Bring them to God because he cares about you. That means he cares about the little details in your life. He actually cares about what happened at school. Even though it can feel like, you know, because he's God and he's up there in heaven, he's, he's got too many things to worry about. But Peter, one of his closest friends, said, hey, bring them all to God. And he said that from experience. He had done the same thing. He'd come to Jesus and said, but what about the fishing? What about my job? What about my wife? Because Peter was actually married. Uh, what about, you know, the future? And, and what about Jerusalem? And he brought all these questions and worries to God and or to Jesus. And he, and he knew that Jesus was there to hear him. He knew that Jesus was there to sit down and, and consider what was going on in his life and to help him to make wise choices. So Peter said, bring all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. First of all, I want to talk about Paul. Paul was a, a young man, just like all of you young people. He had so many hopes for his future. He had plans for where he wanted to go and things that he wanted to do and he wanted to impress people and he wanted to have friends and he wanted to do well amongst his peers and all of these things. He studied so hard and he was such a serious uh, person in his life. He was really disciplined and he just chased down the best of the best and he was studying to become a Pharisee, which was kind of a prestigious thing to do back in the day. Nowadays, there's not many pastors out there, but in Jesus' time, all of the young people would be trained up in the Bible and they'll be trained up in memorizing the Bible so that they could go and they could live their life in deep, rich spirituality. Paul was growing up in this faith and he so badly wanted to impress God. He so badly wanted to be worthy to God and he so badly wanted to be accepted by God that he strived and strived to become the best Pharisee he could be. He memorized all those Bible verses. He tried his best when he was doing his studies. He tried to impress the right people at the right times and become friends with the right people at the right times. And it eventually led him to a place where it was all about what he could do on his own legs. It was all about what he could do in his own strength. 
it got to the point where he started to push actually against Jesus and take people who were following Jesus into captivity, take them off to jail because he was trying his best to impress the people around him, to impress God and to be a good God follower. But he had something missing. He had something missing there that was the, was the reason why he got stuck in the wrong track. I don't know if you can figure out what it might be. What do you think was missing from Paul's life when he was walking through thinking that it was a good idea to arrest these people who were following Jesus, to, to catch people, to send them off to jail, men, women, children? What do you think was missing in his life? I think about David when he was young. He had a different story to Paul. Paul had prestige in his life and he had things going well. You know, he grew up in a place like Castle Hill. He was successful. His parents were around. They could provide for him. David, on the other hand, was the last child at the bottom of the pile. He was the, the last born and he was often overlooked and he was out in the field looking after the sheep all day, every day, doing quite a humble job. He didn't get to go off and, and study and become a Pharisee, but he just had to look after these animals. And sometimes they stink and sometimes they get lost and sometimes they're annoying and other times it's cold and you're trying to sleep out there on the field and it's, and it's really hard. But while David was out there, he was growing something. He was growing something that Paul was missing. I don't know if you can figure out what it is by now, but what David was growing was a relationship with God. Paul was all about doing the right thing. He was all about following the, the list of checklists of things to do. He was all about making sure that the people at church and the people at school and the people everywhere else thought that he was a good guy. Whereas David, he didn't have anyone to impress other than sheep. And he was sitting out there by himself, talking to God, connecting with God, building a relationship with God. I want to read the next verse today. This verse here is a verse from Jesus when he was with his disciples, coming close to the moment when he got betrayed by Judas. He actually said a prayer for his disciples and they thought it was so important, this prayer. And Jesus thought it was important too. So he said it out loud so they could hear it. They wrote down the prayer in the book of John. John wrote this down and he wanted us to know what he said in this prayer. And he actually speaks to us today in this prayer. You'll see, because it talks about people who, not just his disciples, but people who will believe one day. That's you and I, right? Check out this verse. Um, it's going to come up in the chat as well. This is John chapter 17, verse 20. I'm just going to read it down to verse 23. This is what it says. I'm not only praying for my disciples, but also for all of you who will believe in me because of their testimony. So that's you. That's you guys in grade 10. That's you guys in grade 12. That's, that's all of the youth in this church, even the children. If we choose to believe in Jesus because of what, says in, because of what it says in this Bible, then this is the prayer that Jesus had specifically for you. I'm praying not only for those disciples, but also for all who will believe in me because of their testimony. My prayer for all of them is that they will be one, just as you and I are one, Father. That just as you are in me and I am in you, so they will be in us and the world will believe that you sent me. It seems like Jesus is so much more interested and so much more caring about having a relationship with you. He says, you know what I care about God in this prayer that he's saying publicly that he wanted you to know. He's saying, I want them to have unity amongst themselves, but I want them to have a relationship and oneness with me too. Just like 
You, the Father and me, Jesus, we're one. I want them to be one. Just like, and I want them to be one with us. This is what it says in verse 22. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. So that's Jesus. That's Jesus saying, I will be in them. This is the people who will believe one day. That's you and that's me. He says, I will be in you. I will have relationship and union and oneness with you, a relationship. And you in me, that's the Father, that's God in Jesus. So God in Jesus in me, God in Jesus in you. And then it says, I in them and you in me, all being perfected into one. Then the world will know that you sent me and they will understand that you love them. Let me just say that again. Then the world will know that you sent me, that's Jesus, everyone will understand. But he really wants you to hear this. That they will understand that you love them as much as you love me. That's what Jesus said about you. He wants you to understand that God loves you as much as he loves Jesus. That's powerful. Paul didn't get that. He missed that somewhere in the the studies. He He knew the verses. He knew how to be good. But he didn't quite catch the the relationship with God. He didn't quite catch the, the love of God. He was so busy trying to impress that he missed the love that God had for him. But David, on the other hand, sitting out there in the field with his harp, just playing music and relaxing, a bit of a hippie, looking up at the stars, looking at all the things that God has made. He had time to grow a relationship with God. And as he grew that relationship with God, he discovered the love that God has for him. That's amazing. You know, Paul, he grew up and he, he became a young man like myself. And I think to myself over, over the last years of my life, it's crazy how quickly they fly. You know, you're young, you're still at school, you're still in primary school, you're still in high school, you're just out of high school, you're in university now, you're studying in university. You've got all the future ahead of you. But it is crazy how quickly it goes. Here I am now and I'm 30 years old and I have a baby now. So now I'm a dad. Now I'm a a, a parent. And it just feels like it went like that. And all those decisions that I made, all those choices and those pathways I chose to walk down, they've they've, they've directed me to where I am today, but they just happen so quick. It's so quick. Our life just goes on. Each year rolls by. And the decisions that you make, whether or not you decide to go down this path or to go down that path, before you know it, you're way down that path. And before you know it, you've walked all the way further than you expected that you, would, that you were going to go. Here we are today, Sarah and I, holding this amazing baby. And we're so thankful that we chose to walk in a path where we had a relationship with God. We're so glad that we chose to, to trust Him. We didn't choose Him every time. I know Sarah and myself, we've made plenty of mistakes. There's times in my own life where I decided that I wasn't going to walk in a relationship with God. There was times when I was in high school where I you know, wanted to go on my own path. There was times when I left school when I thought that I'd just walk on my own. I didn't need to have God in my life. But when I look back over my life and I think to myself, how was I going when I was in a relationship with God and how was I going when I was walking away? When I was walking with God, 
for some reason, things just happen to fall into place. Kind of like it says in the Bible, all things work together for the good of those who love him. On the other hand, when I was walking down this way, it seemed fun at times, you know, a bit of rebellion here and a bit of rebellion there. It seemed like a good idea. But I always ended up finding myself in a place, asking myself the question, just like Pastor Ron Sidney asked at the last week of praise. He said, how did I end up here? How did I end up in this place? That's the question that I would ask myself when I start walking away from God. But when I walk with him and I walk in relationship with him, I notice a totally different outcome. I ask the same question. I'm like, how did I end up here? This is awesome. I didn't expect to be here in Castle Hill, hanging out with such an awesome group of year 10s, hanging out with such a great group of primary school kids, getting to know awesome people of all ages in this church. I never would have expected this path. But because I've chosen to trust God and have a relationship with Him, He's walked me down this amazing path. It's just been so much fun. Now, getting back to Paul and getting back to David. Paul was on his own path. He was doing his own thing. He was going to church, doing the whole Christian thing, doing the whole God follower, but he was off doing his own thing. He was trying to make a name for himself. He was trying so desperately to get recognition, to be respected, to be seen as a person with authority and a person with, who, who's important and a person who can do well, that he had given up what really matters in life. And that's being kind and being gentle to people, having a heart like God's heart. And it wasn't until this day when he was walking along on the road to Damascus with a few of his friends that Jesus met him on the road and that Jesus reached out to him in a bright light. He's blind. He's struggling, not knowing what to do. Who are you? He asks. And he says, I'm Jesus. It's Jesus who's speaking to you. Why are you persecuting me, Paul? And it even says, it's a funny word. I, I never understood it when I was uh, in high school when I first read it. He says, why are you kicking against the pricks? And I was like, what do you mean kicking against the pricks? That's a weird idea. But I, I looked it up when I was a bit older and I found out it's this, it's this thing that they would use to guide sheep and they would like poke them along and, and move them forward like that. And Jesus was saying, why are you kicking against the guidance of, of the Holy Spirit? Why are you kicking against where I'm trying to lead you? I'm trying to lead you down this way and you're kicking against it and it's only hurting your own foot because you're kicking this spike. Why are you kicking against me, Paul? Why are you persecuting me? Paul never realized when he was chasing down these other people, when he was hurting these other people, that he was actually hurting Jesus. Because Jesus wants a relationship with Paul, but he wants a relationship with those people too. Jesus sees you, me, Paul, other people as his children, as people that he loves with his whole heart. Just like Jesus was saying in his prayer earlier, that we would understand the love that God has for us, that it's the same love that he had for Jesus. Paul realized on that day that he'd missed something. He'd missed a relationship. He didn't even know God. He didn't even know he could talk to God. He didn't even know you could have a relationship with God. He thought that it was all about what he could do and knowing the right information and then maybe one day you could have eternal life. But on the day when he met Jesus he realized that it is possible to have a relationship. He realized it is possible to be close with God. And it is possible to hear from God. It's possible to hear from God. In fact, it's not just possible, but it's what God wants. He wants to talk to you. That's why Jesus was explaining when he talked about the good shepherd in the book of John. He said, hey, my sheep know my voice. 
they hear my voice when I call their name. And just like David in Psalms, when he says, my heart has heard you call and my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. We can have that relationship with God. It's not just something that is for some people. It's something that God wants with you and that he wants with me and that he wants with every single one of us. He wants to start a relationship now, not when he comes back in the clouds, when they peel back like a scroll, like it says in Revelation, not like when all the thunder cracks happen and the, and the trumpets of God happen when Jesus returns. We don't have to wait until that day. He wants a relationship with you now. And if we have a relationship, we can be like David and not like Paul who was walking off on his own journey trying to impress. You know, in, in Galatians 3, or in Galatians 2, verse 20, Paul had a different perspective now after he'd met Jesus. He was writing to the church. Just remember, young people, that you are church, that you are the followers of Jesus and that you're the ones who can bring about change into this world. You're the ones who actually have a lot of influence. You're the ones who actually matter. You're the ones who actually are needed in this mission that God has. You're needed for this, but you've got to have a relationship with him to know what to do. This is what Paul says. You know, I myself no longer live. But Christ lives in me. In other words, Jesus and I, we're just, we're close. We're in a relationship. So I live my life in this body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me. Just in case you ever wondered whether or not Jesus actually loves you. He does. Who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, Paul wasn't actually at the cross but Jesus gave his life for Paul. We weren't actually at the cross, but Jesus gave his life for you. I'm not one of those who treats God's grace as meaningless. For if I could be saved by keeping the law and doing all these things, then there was no need for Jesus to die. But Paul realized Jesus had to die for him. Jesus had to give up his life so that Paul could live, that he could be saved. And then Paul says a little bit later in the book of Philippians. This is a pretty interesting little prayer. Oh, a message. For I was circumcised when I was eight years old, have been born into a pure-blooded Jewish family that is a branch of the tribe of Benjamin. So I'm a real Jew, if there ever was one. What's more, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. And zealous which means like passionate and invested. Yes, in fact, I harshly persecuted the church and I obeyed the Jewish law so carefully that I was never accused of any fault. I once thought that all these things were important. I thought it was important to impress people. I thought it was important to look like I had it all together. I thought it was important for for everything to be about what I want. But now I consider all of that worthless because of what Jesus has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Jesus. Not hearing about what he did, but knowing him. Not seeing the picture on that stained glass window as you drive past or hearing a song about him. But knowing Jesus, having a relationship with him. He finally caught up with what David had the whole time. David became a king. 
God used David to do amazing things. He made mistakes, but God used David so powerfully in his life because from when he was young, he chose to walk with God in relationship. He didn't wait till he was my age. Just imagine if, if I was 30 years old now and then I still, and then I decided to trust God. All the past would be gone. All the opportunities to bring about good things would be gone. David didn't wait. He chose to have a relationship with God when he was young. And God did amazing things through his life. Paul goes on and says, Yes, everything is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Jesus, my Lord. I've discarded everything else. I counted all as garbage so that I may have Jesus and become one with him. I'm no longer, I no longer count on my own goodness or my own ability to obey God's rules, but I trust Jesus to save me. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on one thing, faith. And as a result, I can really know Jesus and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I can experience it in my life. I can have the Holy Spirit in my life. I can learn what it means to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that somehow I can experience the resurrection from the dead. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I keep on working toward the day when I will finally be all that Jesus saved me for and wants me to be. Just imagine, young people, just imagine if you didn't walk with God. Just imagine if you missed out on, on seeing all that he wants you to be. Who could you be? Who could you be if God is working in your life? Two more verses until we wrap this up. David understood the whole time. He understood. The Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord protects me from danger. This is Psalm 27. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to destroy me, when my enemies and foes attack, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will know no fear. Even if they attack me, I remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek the most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Delighting in the Lord's perfections, meditating on Him. For He will conceal me when trouble comes. He'll conceal you too. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. And then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising God with music. Listen to my pleading, O God, for my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. You have a choice. You can be like Paul. You can chase after whatever dream it is that you think is most important. You can try to impress people. You can try and live a life that's all about what everyone else sees. You can try to be the best at everything. Or you can chase a relationship with God. And he's not running away from you. 
Just like the story of the prodigal son. The dad's not running off into the field when he sees the son coming home thinking, oh, what a headache. He's not doing that. He's standing on the balcony looking down the road. And when you come to him and you want a relationship with him, Jesus said that that father ran down the road. He was running to that son. He was running to that daughter. He wants a relationship with you. Jesus told us this. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. He wants to have a relationship with you. And it's the most powerful thing that you can ever have. It means you don't live with regret. Paul realized everything else was just rubbish compared to this. Doesn't mean that Paul stopped eating food. Doesn't mean that Paul stopped having friends and that he, that he stopped reading the Bible. Paul did all the stuff that he used to do. But he realized life isn't about that stuff. Life is so much more than things and, and impressing people. Your life comes into color when you have a relationship with God. When you walk with God and when you choose to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to stop kicking against the pricks. I'm going to let you in. Before I close today, I'm going to read this last verse. And then we're going to say a prayer together. This is what Paul says as advice and as a prayer over you. When I think of all the wisdom and the scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 down to verse 21. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength, something that your friends at school will respect, something that your colleagues in your workplace will look at and say, what is it about this person? Where do they get this courage? Where do they get this strength? And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart as you trust in him, as you have faith in him. May your roots go deep down into the soil of God's love, his marvelous love. And may you have the power to understand all, or as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is for you. May you experience the love of Christ Though it is so great, you will never fully understand it, even in heaven. And then you will be filled with the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. That's what you can have. You can be filled with the fullness of life. That means that you have more life in school, more life in your relationships, more life in your friendships, more life in your family life. And all the power that comes from God in you Now glory be to God, by his mighty power at work within us, he is able to accomplish infinitely more than we would even dare to ask for or hope for. May he be given glory in the church and in Jesus Christ forever through the endless ages, which is including our year right now in 2020. Amen.
Young people, this is your time to decide. Are you going to have a relationship with God? Are you going to walk with him? Or are you going to kick against the pricks and try and do it your own way? I've walked this way, I've walked that way, and I can tell you now, trusting God has only ever brought blessing to my life. Having a relationship with God has only ever brought peace and blessing to my life. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for the amazing young people in our church. I could tell stories about so many of them. There's so much courage in them, so much potential in them, so much awesome future to be unfolded. The plans that you have for them are so amazing. I couldn't imagine them. I can't wait to see what you do through the young people in this church, God. I thank you for the most beautiful, supportive and uplifting church family that we have here at Castle Hill. I thank you for all the, the lovely people from all the generations at Castle Hill who make this church the beautiful, safe and encouraging place that it is. It's a little taste of heaven. It's a little taste of union that you talk about. I thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into a relationship with you. I thank you for the way that you promised to come and be with us, that you promised to give us your strength and your power inside. I thank you that you promised to walk beside us and that you care about us. So we bring our worries and our cares to you today, God. We bring ourselves to you. We choose to trust you. And we say, yes, I want a relationship with you, Jesus. I want to walk with you, God. Let's make this choice today. In Jesus' name, amen.